Good morning, everybody, and thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa, and I greatly appreciate you joining us here today. Today we have Andre Avchenko. Andre is a good friend of ours. He's been in several projects of ours, but he's also known for Falling Skies and Nikita, Transporter of the, the, the Series, The Way of the West, Freeze. He's a great guy. I loved meeting him. I loved knowing him. I love him and I, having him as a friend. So he's on the show today. We're very grateful. Check out his Facebook, Andre Avchenko. He's gigantic. Arnold Big, hilarious, nice guy, very nice guy, great actor. Can't wait to hear him today. Like I said, this is Send Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you very much for joining us today. How was your week? Did you watch anything interesting? Was there anything interesting on Netflix, on Amazon, in, in the theaters. Well, I know there was nothing in the theaters as far as I'm concerned except for that new Lucasfilm. It was kind of trashy. The uh, CG film, very complicated, very weird. But something I did see that I wanted to speak to you about was the interview with Seth Rogen and, and, uh, and Squinty Eyes. <laughs> I loved the interview. I loved it. I thought it was one of the best satires on a generation. Um, as close to, you know, America Police. Or it, it, it was just really a fantastic film. The, the part where you see James Franco talking to Kim Jong-un, it, it does rem, remind me a lot of what Dennis Rodman might have been acting like with Kim Jong-un. It, it, was, it was very interesting. Racist? Uh, it's hard to say if it's racist. I wouldn't say racist. I'd say some jokes are in poor taste, but you are talking about North Korea, so it's kind of a fair game, I'll be honest with you. Compared to maybe the Pink Panther days or what have you, I think it's the least racist thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Anyways, the interview, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially the first hour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The only part I had a problem with was the very end with a certain amount of violence that I didn't think needed to happen for it to be an enjoyable story. I thought it was already an enjoyable story. I thought for free and for being out there and for being satire, I thought it was fantastic. Um, a, a couple beats were dead on. A couple jokes were dead on. A couple things said about our society were dead on. So I very, very, very much enjoyed it. So I checked that out. The interview. Right now it's on Netflix. Just just appeared a couple nights ago for free. I saw it a couple weeks ago, and I, I didn't mention anything about it, mostly because I just wanted people to see it and have their opinions, and we'll talk about it later. But I saw it for the fourth time last night, and it just doesn't get old. Certain parts of it are just hilarious. For instance, when Kim Jong-un's father tells him that margaritas are gay. <laughs> That is hilarious. That is hilarious. And then James Frank goes around. Did your dad tell you that margaritas were gay? Well, if, if, if 
drinking sweet drinks is gay. I don't want to be straight. It's just, it's so awesome. Yeah, you're right, Toussaint, Mark. Even all in the family couldn't be put out in 2015. It'd be crazy. It would be called the most racist show on television. Even the Jeffersons. Remember the Jeffersons when he used to call people honky? That was hilarious. That was good. That was good TV, by the way. Yeah, you couldn't put those things on anymore. No. But I thought the interview was fantastic. I, I thought it was a really well-made film. Here's, here's interesting for an adjunct position here. When you see Marco Polo, I think Marco Polo is actually a racist film. <laughs> That's what's interesting about it. When you, when you watch the show, you're like, did you not know how Mongolians looked? Um, it's incredible. Because they're picking Japanese, Chinese, uh, Thai, any kind of Asian nationality you can. And nobody looks Mongolian. Nobody. I mean, they're thin. I mean, paper thin. The Mongolians were not paper thin human beings. They look more like Siberians. Um, beautiful, gorgeous. Uh, but a little bit of little bit of that outer layer of weight, mostly because of the, the weather is just extreme. I mean, we're talking like not even Buffalo, New York extreme, like very extreme. So I am insulted when I watch films like that, you know, being part Asian and seeing that they couldn't pick enough Asian actresses or actors for this show or something. You, you, you couldn't have gone out and gotten somebody new. It just doesn't make any sense to me personally. So when I watch something like uh, uh, when I watch something like this, I, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think they captured North Korea very well. I, as far as being a satire, as far as being humor, yes. Um, is it a funny situation up there? No. But when you put them all in a m- movie, it is pretty damn funny. So go watch it. Uh, the interview is on, on Netflix right now. I- I'm telling you right now, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it. And I, one of the Sony execs was saying that they thought that um, uh, James Franco's acting was abhorred. It was horrible. They hated it. I thought his acting was beautiful. <laughs> as far as being a co- comedy, as far as being, because he had to play a bumbling moron, uh, you know, he had to play a, a bit of a a nonsensical human being. He doesn't quite get that, you know, there is bad things around him. A lot like Dennis Rodman. So I, I very much enjoyed that. So, anyways, enough about that. The interview, go watch it. You know, Seth Rogen and and uh, James Franco are in that film. Uh, it's excellent. I really enjoyed it. So watch it. I want to hear from you. Now, the other film that I saw that I really, 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 really enjoyed was John Wick. John Wick with with Keanu Reeves was excellent. Now, I'm going to put it by side-by-side comparison with The Equalizer, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Now, Antoine Fuqua is arguably one of the one of the better directors we have today. He made he made uh, Tears of the Sun. He made um, he made Training Day. Antoine Fuqua is an excellent excellent director. Of course, he made stinkers too, like King Arthur and what happened. So he he does have a repertoire of making really great and really bad films. It's just the way it works. But he made The Equalizer. Now the old stunt choreographer for for the Matrix films. 
He has a stunt team together. And he wanted to direct John Wick. Well, Keanu Reeves wanted him to direct it, and they went to the studios, and the studios said, no way. We will not let you direct this film. So Keanu said, okay, I'll do it on my own. So he got $40 million together. He made John Wick. He hired this guy to be the director since he's been his stuntman for all these years. And the movie is brilliant. And, uh, and by brilliant, I don't mean like, um, you know, Gone with the Wind brilliant or Einstein brilliant. By brilliant, I mean, if you go into this film expecting to see regular gunplay or regular kung fu action or regular fighting, then you are wrong. You are wrong. It's like walking into the Matrix and expecting to see some sci-fi film based on some dude who jumps in the air because he doesn't understand physics. If you went to go see the Matrix and you were shocked at what you saw, I know it. I know you were. Come on. You were shocked. <laughs> when you went to go see the film, you're like, wow, this film is excellent. And that's what John Wick was to me. Now, I'll compare it to The Equalizer. Now, The Equalizer, you know he's... He's killing people throughout the film. He's looking for people to kill, and they're bumping into him. He's he's looking for every kind of Home Depot device in order to kill people. That's what he's doing throughout his film. And John Wick, he's looking to optimize his energy, use as much speed as he can to take down as many people as, as possible. But he also took his time, which showed that he was a serious killer. What I thought was interesting is they took the, they took the story from The Equalizer, and they put it in John Wick. John Wick would be a masterpiece. Right now, it's just going to be a cult hit. Because it's a great film, but the story is a little weak. Now, would I rather see The Equalizer with a better, arguably a better actor and a better story, but not as good action? Or would I rather see Keanu Reeves, who I really thoroughly enjoy, with some great action and an okay story? I'd rather see John Wick. John Wick was by far a superior, superior film. It was a great film, as a matter of fact. Go see it. John Wick. Keanu Reeves. It was great. I loved it. Did you like it? If you liked it, call in. Let me know. Phone number here is 657-383-1444. Again, 657-383-1444. What did you think? Did you like John Wick? I loved it. Now, did you... Did you like the other film I was speaking about? Do you enjoy that film? The Dictator. I enjoyed it. Call us up, 657-383-1444. We're waiting for Andre Evchenko to come on in. It is California time, of course. What other good movies did you see this week? Now, I, I myself am a movie fanatic. I love movies. I love watching them. I love going to theaters. There's a great theater out here. You can simply, you simply put your feet up. Bench seats come up. Your feet come up. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm telling you, the, the ability to lay back and watch a movie is amazing. Now, what did I go see in this special theater? Well, P.T. Anderson's film, of course. Inherent Vice. Why wouldn't I go see that in a, in a theater? I can sit back, drink a champagne, glass of champagne or a margarita or... Or a martini and watch an amazing movie by one of the great filmmakers of our generation, P.T. Anderson. Not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson, who made the Resident Evil films. <laughs> yes, you're right, said Mark. Lucy as well. Lucy was a fantastic film. Now, if you don't know, uh, and you should know, Scarlett Johansson is going to make a live-action picture film of Ghost in the Shell. 
based in the manga from Japan. So I cannot wait to see Scarlett Johansson being that part. Now, I loved Lucy. I did love it. I did not like the last part of it. And, you know, talking about, you know, some of the great directors, uh, he's one of the great directors. So I very I very much uh, enjoyed Lucy. I can't wait for Ghost in the Shell. I've been waiting for that to come out. You know, if, if you like manga and you like Ghost in the Shell and you like Akira, I don't know if you know that Leonardo DiCaprio has all rights to the American distribution of Akira. So we can't wait for that film to be made. We'll be waiting patiently. It's interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday about music. And we're talking about a couple songs. I love these songs. But when talking about these songs, this person said to me, they go... Well, what do you think this song means? And let me give you an example. Elastic Heart by Sia. Okay? So I understand Sia has already made a comment that the song is kind of sad. If you listen to the words, the song is about breaking your heart and trying to move on and yada, yada, yada. That's what Elastic Heart means. When you watch it, I have an elastic heart and you can break it and you can bend it wherever you want and it'll stay elastic. It'll stay malleable. Now, the person asked me, what was my interpretation of the song? And what I said was, it shows the strength of women, personally. It shows the strength, and it shows the empowerment of females. Whenever I listen to the song, it makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel strong. The person goes, that's not what the song means. The song means that, or this. Let me explain to you how art works, boys and girls. (laughs) It does not work like that. Okay? You cannot sit there, look me in the eyes, and tell me this is what the song means, that is not what the song means. Really? Are you going to try to explain to me what the sun means to me next? What the moon means to me next? No, I understand gravitational waves. I understand solar eclipses. I understand physics and gravity. I understand science. I get it. I get it. But when I say I like the sun, wouldn't you just immediately assume I'm talking about something different than what you're thinking yourself because we're different human beings? Now let me go back to the song. Now I'm saying it's about strength. This person's saying it's about weakness. Okay. Okay. I can argue that point. So, you as an artist are putting and compiling a song together and then singing that song out loud, making it a number one hit so millions of people can understand how you feel and feel the same way and can compare. Now, let, me, let, me, let me say that again. You created a song that is really nice, that everybody loves. Millions of people understand what you're saying, feel the same way, are singing the song. Millions of people have bought the song listened to the song, interpreted the song the way they want to interpret it, despite the fact that you wrote it and are interpreted in yourself. And they're coming out with different emotions, each person. Different feelings, different thoughts, different uh, interpretations of the words. Um, You can't sit here and tell me what you think art is. You just can't do that. 
I mean, you can. You're just going to be a jerk. <laughs> if you can sing a song like Elastic Heart, and all these people can hear you, how I'm receiving that information is you're so strong, you're so powerful because of the incident, that you're able to put it into words, and you're able to express it for other people to hear it. That is strength. That is not weakness. I'm sorry. What you're, what you're singing about may be weak, but what you're saying is strong. So strong, other people know what you feel and feel the same way. So when you're asking me, what does this song mean or what does this song mean to you, I'm telling you the deeper meaning, the deeper feel. I'm not talking about the superficial, crappy little idealistic emotion that are trying to make you feel, oh, the guy has cancer, therefore feel sad about the guy having cancer. Well, instead of feeling bad about the guy having cancer, how about looking at his life and how long he's lived and how well he's lived his life? Isn't that a different way to look at that? One way is like, oh my God, he has cancer. Another way to look at it is, he's 65 years old and he's living a pretty long life. Let's listen to it. Two different ways to perceive it. I remember I listened to uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Hated the song. Hated the song. I was young and I was hipsterish-like and I didn't like it very much. And I heard Tori Amos sing the song. And that blew me away. When I listened to the words, it blew me away. Because now I understood the words. But it didn't matter. The feeling that I felt from hearing the song and the words matched. Now, that's just a chance. That's just by chance. It often doesn't do that. I listen to my songs by, you know, the Jonas Brothers or Ariana Grande or this or that or Kochenko from uh, from uh, Drive. I, I just, you know, Rihanna Diamond. I, I love I love music. And when you listen to like Rihanna's Diamonds, you might see that as a, you might hear that as a sad song. That's a, such a sad song. Yeah, but she's singing it out loud for everybody to hear it. And what is it saying? Life is good. You know, I can sing. I'm a, you know, look at me. Look at me up here. I'm on top of the world, Ma. So, anyways, I thought that was, I thought that was incredibly interesting and, and kind of, kind of odd as an artist. I didn't think I was really going to go through that again. Now, I'll tell you about experience I had when I was younger. I used to do photography for many, many years. I, you know, I've always wanted to direct film, so... I went into photography because of cinematography. I figured if I can, you know, shoot a couple shots really well, which for 25 years I did, uh, then I could do cinematography just as easy. So I remember I, I did the entire show at this coffee house when I was younger. And I was one of those opinionated artists who put the art up and, and just waited for people to fall in love with my stuff. <laughs> well, I remember this one guy. I didn't really like him that much. He put his art up. And I laid into him when he wasn't looking yeah. just so I was brave <laughs> I think I was like 19, 20 years old so I just I just talked smash about his art and um, what I thought what I would do different and how this is wrong how this is right and just on and on and on just ridiculous and then next week we had my art and then I stood back and Nobody knew it was mine, and I listened to people talk, and I, I watched people look at my photography, and wow, did they lay into me. <laughs> wow, this, this photography is really redundant. Well, 
this this photography is really really uh, stupid. This is a lot of things. I would have done this different. I would have done this different. I would have changed this. I would have changed that. Um, and I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson at like twenty. Uh, shut your mouth. Art is art is not uh, supposed to be a one-two punch. Art is supposed to be more of a dance. It's cooperation. It's it's uh, delicacy. It's enjoyment. It's taking your time. There's a lot of things going on there with art. But one thing that's not going on with art is comparative understanding. There's not even comparative understanding when it comes to relationships or when it comes to friendships or when it comes to video games, comparative understanding. Much less art. That's cool, Two Two Cent Mark. You write music, you write uh, your, your stories with your music. So do I. I write it with Enya myself. And the one reason why I write it, my, my books and my stories with Enya is um, because she, she sings in Gaelic. So I can't understand what she's saying, so I won't steal her words. It's a little secret from writers. If you listen to music that has very good lyrics, you will start to, uh, you'll start to, um, you'll start to copy. Oh, I just got a little phone call there from Andre, and Andre's running a little late. He'll be on in a second. Great guy. This is live radio. You're right, you say, Mark. It really depends on your mood. You know, sometimes for me, I like to listen to Bread, Ambrosia, so <laughs> really weird '70s love song kind of stuff, and I, I enjoy it so much. One of the reasons why is I've, I've heard it so much in my lifetime that it's impossible to copy it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it really depends on your mood. Anyways, going back to art, did it upset me when this person said that? It didn't upset me as much as it bothered me. It bothered me that this person had this interpretation. And also that I felt that I was being slightly attacked um, for having my vision of the right. So so what does it mean? It doesn't mean that. It, you know, it's just very interesting. It, it, you know, it, it comes down to that old adage, you know, is it better to be kind or right? Um, I say kind uh, because you can... You can have your interpretation of the story all you want. You can tell me what you think the story is as much as you want, but I don't care. I, I, I sincerely don't care. You know, I probably should care. Yeah, that's true. You do put yourself up there for positive and negative comments. Here's a, here's a good hint as an artist. Don't listen to any of them. <laughs> do not listen to anybody. You know, you listen to the people who, who you trust. You listen to people who you love. You listen to people who have your best interests in hand. And for me, the people I trust with my art are people who are going to look at it and give me an idea of what they they believe uh, they're seeing or what they're hearing or what they're feeling or what have you. And, and that's very important to me. The most important thing to me is is when somebody says to me, um, they don't understand what I'm trying to say. That's important to me. Because what I want to know is how can I make this clear? How can I make this more understandable? 
Uh, that's that's what I want to know. Because as a writer, if I'm only writing for myself, for me to understand, then I'm writing a diary. <laughs> you're writing a diary, bro. You're not you're not writing a book. If you're writing for other people to understand it, now you're writing a book. Listen, unless you're like, I don't know, Kafka, Nietzsche, then I'd pretty much go back to the Spielberg way of writing your books. <laughs> I'd be happy with the way people interpret it, by the way. And, and, and listen, I have 56 novels that I'm writing. 56. Each one around 1,000 pages each. I would be an idiot to think that people are going to understand everything I'm trying to say. And I would be an idiot, and it would be asinine for me to assume that other people are going to get what I'm trying to say. I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. And if you're paying attention, you will understand it. And if you don't, maybe the next generation will. Who cares? You know? That's what it's all about. That's what writing's all about. Writing's about enjoyment. Enjoying yourself. Writing your books. Getting out there. Making sure people understand it. And and hopefully it'll, it'll hit that click. Be it kids, teens, adults, young adults. You know, preferably I want everybody to read my books. Everybody. Well, boys and girls, I appreciate you listening to me ramble on. We've got the great Andre on right now, so let's let's bring that that young man on. Andre, hey, how you doing? How you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Awesome. We we finally got you on there. Thank thank you so much for joining us today. For sure, man. For sure. Awesome. Listen, you know, I remember when I first met you, I met you at the, the Lackey premiere, and the funniest question I asked, I, I thought, was, uh, I asked you where, you, where are you from? And you're like, I'm from Canada. <laughs> but listen, listening to your accent, I am from, obviously. But I am, but I am from you, Canada. You, you are from Canada. That's the funny thing. I, I walked away feeling like a racist. I'm like, wow, that was that was kind of a weird thing to say. <laughs> Because <laughs> people, people usually ask, uh, where are you originally from? I know. And I'm like, it's all right. Racist... What's that? It's such a racist thing to say sometimes. It's so horrible. <laughs> but go, go tell me, please. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and then, I'm say, then I'm saying, okay, originally I'm from Ukraine, but right. blah, right. blah, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know? But I'm from Canada. So yeah, but I'm from so Canada. Yeah. So from Canada, uh, you know, you have you you got a whole slew of things going on there. Now, when you, were you born in Canada uh, or were you born in Ukraine? No, I was born and raised in Ukraine. And uh, 1999, I moved. I lived in a few countries in Europe. And in right. 2000, uh, and 2005, I moved to Canada. Ah. Now was it was it your wish to go into the film industry when you were coming out to uh, coming out to Canada, or, or were you going towards the bodybuilding? Well, thing? you know, I I actually uh, it's an interesting thing. I actually wanted to be an actor uh, since probably my childhood uh, yeah. when I was a kid. Uh, but then, as you know, life uh, brought own changes, and uh, you know. Soviet Union collapse and you have to survive and you know find a job and make some living you know buy some uh, uh, feed yourself and your family and stuff like that so you know 
Um, I didn't at that time. I didn't really think about it. But then sure. when I left, uh, when I left home, and when I came to Canada, um, I was thinking maybe I should do something in the industry. Uh, wasn't sure what, but you know, always wanted to act. And uh, a friend of mine uh, suggested me, uh, uh, her friend had an agency, extra agency, background work, and she suggested, why wouldn't you go and try? So I did. And that's how I started. Blah, blah, blah. I started doing extra work. You know, a good friend of mine, Slava, he's from the Ukraine, and what was alarming to me was when he told me that the first time he saw a movie was when he was 22 years old. And the first movie he saw was a Bruce Lee film. And I was like, what part of the Ukraine are you from, bro? So were you the same way? Were you, were you watching films as a kid and, and going through all that all that stuff? Um, my father comes from Sicily, so he watched movies as a child all the way up when, when he came to America. I'm first-generation American myself. We watched movies like crazy people. Did you? Did you? Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. child? Or? Yes. Well, we we have our own industry. Soviet Union has right. had own, you know, a film industry. So uh, obviously, I watched the movie and and some like uh, we didn't have American movies, obviously, but uh, Yugoslavia and and East Germany they made those movies about cowboys and Indians. You know, so it, it was like everybody was fascinated about it. But sometimes, somehow, I don't know, uh, we had this uh, old John Wayne movie. How they got on the TV, I have no idea. In you know, from behind our Iron Curtain, but somebody <laughs> let them. And, um, right. you know, we watched this movie sometimes, and it was great because it was, authentic American movies. But yeah, I watch wow. I watch the movie all the time. So so you 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 spent your childhood behind the iron curtain wanting to get out and be a, be a... Yeah. Well, it was wow, a tough, tough time, yes. Wow. And, and let me ask you a question about that then if we're going to go down that angle. When you look at these other actors today or these other people who want to be superstars and what have you and you see them, I don't know, uh be weak about the way the the industry is and what have you, and you see how hard you worked. Does that bother you at all? Uh, no, it doesn't. You know, everybody has own way. And um, the people who uh, are stars nowadays, some of them get got it easy. Some of them work for that, you know. Uh, but as I said, everybody going to the everybody has a goals and everybody's achieving the goal their own uh way and sometimes that way um uh, it's not as easy as, you know, other people achieve it. So right. it's it's okay. It's okay. I'm I, I never to be honest, I never had a um I never achieved anything uh, uh easy way. You know, it's always like right. hard work for me. You know, it's always going through the challenges. So I kind of, I kind of get used to it. I, I guess, I, I guess, if it was too easy, it would be too boring. You right. know, it's like okay, you, you, you have to do nothing, and and you, you just got it on the silver plate. 
Well, when I first when I first met you, I mean, you you literally towered over me. I mean, you're you're very you're a very big man, and and on that same stream, coming back from the from the country you came from, a lot of people would be inspired by Bruce Lee, by Arnold Schwarzenegger, by were you were you inspired by these people to come over, or, or was it another set of actors? Uh, actually, I, actually, I was. Um, as your friend said, he saw Bruce Lee movie at. 22. I saw a first movie with Bruce Lee uh, when I was probably 15. And it was like very, it's it's obviously all those movies were restricted. And that, that, that kind of like audience where I saw the movie with, it was, uh, it was martial art club. And uh, you know, uh, lots of people got invited by friends. So the trainer somehow got that, you know, uh, videotape. And uh, and we all watched. It was a huge audience. We were sitting on Tatami and we were, we were watching uh, Entering the Dragon. So right. that's the first movie I've seen, you know. And then, then after that, uh, probably few years later uh we started to get movie uh commando rambo uh, you know james bond movies vanda wow. movies so obviously like it was a huge influence for me you know and i remember i remember actually it's funny um uh in the in the youth magazine one day um, it still was like Soviet propaganda against the United States, you know, even though the movies already were coming in. So they they, uh, uh, they wrote that article about uh, Rambo, about Stallone, and they were criticizing, you know, how he... Um, I, I believe it's Rambo 2 where he's killing, you know, uh, Soviet soldiers in Vietnam, right. and they were criticizing, obviously, him and saying, blah, 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 how bad the Rambo is. And I'm like, and I'm looking at that picture with Stallone with a big machine gun, you know, standing, <laughs> like, in the water, and I'm like, this guy is cool. And uh, <laughs> I like this guy. And then I'm obviously, yeah, you know, against, like, that's, that's how I was against all, you know, odds against all, you know, whatever people saying one thing, and I and I think completely, I thought completely opposite. So <laughs> I'm like, no, I like this guy. This guy is like <laughs> really tough. You know, die hard. You know, the, so the, the one thing I, yeah. I you know, I, I tell you, the, the thing about growing up in the '80s and growing up in the time period of the evil empire, as Ronald Reagan called it, was it wasn't so damn yeah. evil at all. You know, us us in America, the only thing we really want to do was allow the governments to fight each other and for the people to get together and watch movies and, and trade blue jeans. <laughs> it never made sense to me. Yeah. It you know that you know what I mean? It's like we all liked each other and we all like watched each other's films and you know, we dreamed about us being together uh one day and then when the when the wall fell down we were all happy. Oh yeah, man. It's like it's you know, it's funny scene as as I said, you know, I never I always, with all the propaganda when I was growing up, uh, you know, I I was always wanted to go to the States. I wanted to live in the States. And as I said, like, we didn't have American movies, but once in a blue moon, these 
you know, uh, John Wayne movie comes up. And then I, I was probably five, and uh, I remember I watched the John Wayne movie before I go to bed, and my mom, you know, came and tucked me in, and, you know, and and I said, I'm said i five years old, remember that. Right. And I said to my mom, at five years old, after watching that movie, I said, Mom, one day I will be living in the United States. Awesome. Took me what, almost forty years to get here. Yeah, but it's all right. As I said, I'm here. here. Oh yeah. You know, and 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 uh, regarding all of these, you know, enemies and stuff like that, it was it was a government. I mean, yes, there are there there are, there were people who didn't like states, but uh, mm-hmm. trust me, lots of people just they they just. They they understood that it's only you know government talk, it's only right. on the political level, and they and they like right. and they like the people and they yeah they obviously like jeans you know they like cars, you know they like fast food because like we didn't have <laughs> fast food you know so they you watching right. McDonald's and you're like hmm I I would like to try that. Well, I remember the first so, McDonald's that opened up in in Russia. Uh, there was literally a a a line around the block of people spending a month's worth of rubles in in order to pay for their Big Mac, and they were driving an hour home to bring that hamburger home to their kids. And I was thinking to myself, okay. you know, you you almost didn't have to do anything, and we would have gotten exactly what we wanted in the end. I I can tell you the story. Yes, you're right, completely right. It's it, that that's how it was, and I can tell you the story from my experience because I served in the Soviet Army, about 30 minutes out of Moscow. So wow. um, uh, my dad came, and he took me. I had I had a couple of like one or two days off, so he took me to Moscow. So we came to Moscow, and at that time. Baskin's Robbins just opened there. So I'm like, and it's, we had ice cream before, you know, but right. we, like all our, our ice cream was like white, you know, and the Baskin's Robbins, you know, these different colors, you know, different shapes and stuff like that. So I'm like, let's go and get the ice cream from Baskin's Robbins. Man, we spent five hours in the line to get two scoops. Right. Line was insane. I've never seen that line in my... I've seen the lines because, like, <laughs> in the Soviet <laughs> Union, we had lines for everything. But I've never seen that line. So... I people have it so easy. It I'm telling you. <laughs> people have it so <laughs> easy in America. People have no idea. <laughs> I used to, I used to see those lines and I I I used to feel so bad and then people used to say you know when I was a kid it was always you know save the Russian or save the people of the communist country but but who cares about the government necessarily because they're just they're just people but every time I saw those food lines or Baskin Robbins and McDonald's and all those things come into flourishing I always felt a little bad because I'm like this is the only thing these people wanted enjoyment media food, family, you know, enjoying, you know, enjoying family time and music and like the ballet. And I mean, the, the Russians and in, in, in the cultures of that region have been into poetry, 
music, um, plays. I mean, they do some of the best um, um, rugs in the world. They have some of the best animals in, in, in the Earth Kingdom. And it's a beautiful area. I'm talking about the Ukraine, yeah. going Russia, going, going into Siberia. These are excellent areas. Let me ask you a question. Was that ever an inspiration for you? I, I know that America was an inspiration for you for, for making films and what have you, but was your home country also an inspiration of what I want to do for a future film or what I want to do or how I want to display my, my original culture? Well, it, it, you know, probably um, because I wanted to do acting when I still was back home. But, and I actually did, I did the four years in the high school theater, but um, I, I didn't have any experience and I didn't have any um, knowledge, kind of like a deep knowledge about how to make movies, you know, because we didn't, like, for us, that area was, like, taught only at the, you know, university like special cinematographer university for for the actors, for the directors. So it's not like here we didn't have those books. You know, we didn't have, obviously, we, we didn't have computer at that time, so we didn't have basically any information about them. Wow. So it's, it's you know, uh, it's not like here you go and you buy the book, and obviously... In the in the eighties, I'm pretty sure it was the same. You go and buy the right. book, and you can read about you know how to make a movie, how to direct the movie, how to edit the movie, how to yes. you know how to be mm -hmm. an actor. We didn't have anything like this because it was a specific mm -hmm. subject that only been taught in universities or colleges for actors and directors and uh, uh, editors, writers. So I I really didn't. It was a, it was a kind of like a scratch in the surface, you know. I, I let, wanted... me ask you, let me ask you a question, Andre. Andre, if if you if you were trying to be part of a filmmaker in in those areas back in that day, would you be part of the propaganda machine? Is is that how they'd pick you up? What do you mean propaganda machine? Like the going like, going like against it, the? Yeah, I, I oh, know there are uh, some some films. Yeah, I know there are some films made in the day that are more artistic, and there are some ma films made in the day that are more government-guided. Uh, if you wanted to be a filmmaker in that era, did you have to pick and choose which one you wanted to do, or did you have, did, were you just a filmmaker, and once in a while you had to do a film for the government? You, you, you didn't have choice at that time. Lots of, mm. lots of uh, Soviet actors... They were disagree with what because we we have a censor at that time. Mm. Everything, right. all every movie was going through special committee where people, government people, was watching and they saying, you know what, that moment where the main character uh, guy kissing the main character actress mm. is inappropriate for audience. So let's right. let's cut it off. You know, mm. cut it out. So it's it's everything was censored, and uh, you know, even like the uh, big name actors who was you know union and who was known all over the country, they they would disagree with the situation. They would disagree with how the uh, directors, because directors also were you know kind of guide 
by government and government like right. government people, you know, from that you know cultural committee were telling them how to shoot the movie. So even big names when they would disagree and they try to speak up, they got shut down. You know, they right. somehow they they started. Let's say they started to get less parts. You know, mm. or or some other way. So it wasn't actually you know, choice for the people. Oh, I, I will play this movie, but I right, won't play right. that one. You you have to work, and they wanted to work. They they wanted to act, so they, they did it. But it's... Well, it's before, go ahead. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Well, before you came out to America, I mean, you, you're, 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 you're in the armed forces. You're ready to come out to America. You, you want to be in cinema. And you're watching American cinema films almost taking shots at Russia and and the government in which you're 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 part of, which is like the Robin Williams films and Clint Eastwood being Firefox and you know uh you know Red Dawn where where Russia attacks or the Soviet Union attacks. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're seeing all these films as you're growing up, you're seeing these films as you're in the armed forces. Is that changing the way you're perceiving America before you come over here? Or you or do you just want to come over here and be part of that machine? No, it's never it's never changed my perspective. I I you know there are there are something that um more convincing than all this propaganda thing and there's people who uh, you know it was iron curtain nobody could travel, right? Sure. Nobody could. I mean some people were going to uh Eastern Bloc for example. Uh but it, it, there wasn't free travel, you know, and but but I knew some people who were um sailors on trade ships, you know, or some people who were who were uh uh who were working for the some um plants or or, or manufacturers. So they had a kind of like a group business trips you know, in Western Europe, sometimes United States. So they when when we talk and they obviously those people they're not gonna lie, so they're telling you how it is. Right. And and you and you're listening and you like even people who kinda like kinda was convinced that, you know, government uh giving them right information and they telling the truth about the United States. After after listening the people who just came back from there, they're like, hmm, maybe it's not that, uh, you know, maybe it's not true what, what government's saying. But but for me personally, it it's always was, I never thought like, somehow my intuition told me, you know, all this uh, nuclear red button and, and right. you know, United States going to press it. And the evil, it was a big bullshit for me. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how we felt too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, We're it's like, like that's no, baloney. Yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody should even convince me about that. I, I just somehow I just knew that, you know. No, we we all, as kids we all knew that people are good people and governments suck and we're going to be fine because people are going to stand out. And we watched, I mean, in America, we watched so many propaganda films to say that Russia was not evil, which is interesting. Uh, when you watch the movies like by Robert Williams and what have you, the, the only thing they're showing us is that we're all the same type of people. 
Uh, we're all the same person. We all just want to enjoy ourselves and have family and laugh and watch movies and eat food and get drunk. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I grew up with. It's very interesting. And then you see your films where it makes people look evil. And, uh, you know, that that upsets you. But anyway, so you you went from Ukraine and you, and you, you, you moved to Canada. Now, how was that like? Now, now you, learn, you learn English most likely in Ukraine, am I right? No, no. I have... <laughs> when I was in the school... When I was in school, nobody even tried to learn English. I mean, we had obviously we had uh, two languages we we could choose. It's a German and English, so I I choose English. Sure. But you know, it, it was Iron Curtain. Nobody even thought to go somewhere to the foreign country and you know speak English. So everybody was doing like you know you know like kids. They like oh, yeah, sure. okay, you know I have yeah. uh, well, you know whatever do home task but nobody really memorized anything nobody even like right. learn proper english so um I, but i lived i lived in london before i lived in uk before i came here so that's that's where i basically learned english are you ser- are you serious how many years is that now that you've learned english well i started to learn english uh in 2000 Three, I believe. You That's been, my you've been speaking English for twelve years now, and you speak this. Well. I know people who speak in English for thirty years and can't speak it as well as you can. You know, that's a that's oh, the funny thing in the world <laughs> is that you know people listen to an accent, and boys and girls out there listening, the, the, one of the great lines I love I love from a show called Modern Family is uh, Sofia Vieira is speaking. And she's speaking in Spanish, and they're they're kind of making fun of her. She's like, you know, I'm very smart in my language. <laughs> and, and the problem, right? And my mom knows four languages. My mom knows four languages. And I still hear people make fun of her with, with her accent. And the the funny thing I think to myself is, you know, you don't know, you don't even know one language, right? My mom knows four languages. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. Good? Yeah, I know, I I know three now. I knew four, but. One language, I'm wow. not, I just don't practice, but. Do you know Ukraine, you know English, and you know what, German? Russian. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. That is awesome. So but you went I out wanted, to Canada. I wanted, what? Yeah, but I wanted to learn English. You know, that that was my, I, I, I at the, you know, at the moment when I moved, um, I understand I'm going to live somewhere in a country where people speak English. So I, and I, and I always like English, you know, the sound, the words, how they say it, you know, you're watching in the movie and they say it and you're like, oh, that's cool. So I always yeah. wanted to learn it. That's, that's why, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't have that barrier, you know, when people have, then they, like let's say at the beginning when you learn language and you obviously um, speak broken language and you don't know proper grammar and you don't know how to say this word or that word and and people have that anxiety to talk and that's how they block themselves. I, to be honest, I didn't care about it. I knew if I say something wrong, people will correct me. You know what I mean? So I just Mm -hmm. talk all the time. Tried right. at least. Yeah. See, see, you have something different than other people have. You have a, a phonetic way of te- uh, of speaking English. You have a you speak English properly. 
Whereas other people are, are forming the words and are trying to form a sentence, you're actually speaking it the way that, that people in L.A. speak English, which is very difficult to do. That's like speaking Chinese the way Chinese people speak it. That's incredibly difficult. To do. That, that shows your acting chops right there. Well, I the the reason I believe the reason is um, first, obviously and foremost, you have to want it. You have to want to learn, uh, and you have to be willing to learn. No matter how busy you are, you know, no matter how many jobs you have, you just have to do it. And and the second thing is, I, I did it myself. I kind of isolated myself from the Russian society. I I still like you know since I since I left home I, you know in different countries I have you know one two Russian friends and the rest like British Scottish American Canadian, you know Italian any country I live in. <clears throat> I have local friends, like majority of my friends are local. So I isolated myself sort of from the Russian community, and I 24-7 I, I spoke English all the time. I listened to the people, listen how they say it, because English it's mostly about the memory, you know. There is no such a thing like in Russian we have grammar, and it's like rules, 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 rules. So you have to follow those rules. But English was formed from few different languages, you know, in French, some French words in Italian, and and it was so. Uh, it's it's been changing with years, the right. structure, the 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 grammar. So now it's all about memory. So how you remember that? That's how you say. It. So to have to have you know friends who's. Canadian, American, British, and and spending with them a lot of time, obviously listening to what they say, and memorize and repeat, and then that's that's help a lot. You know, Andre, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is I, I like to have uh, people in the industry that that are that have worked extremely hard to be as successful as they are right now. And one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show was a lot of times actors will come from Santa Cruz or from San Francisco or from Virginia or from New York. And it's actually, to me, a lot easier to come from America to another part of America and then kind of make it somehow. But to come from another country, learning, getting new friends, new family, new everything, a lot like my parents did, and then becoming you know, a star or becoming actor or becoming popular, that's a way different kind of fight. So what I want my audience to, under, audience to understand is when listening to you, this is the hard fight. This is the fight of a lifetime opposed to coming from like San Francisco and going, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a play in L.A. That's, that's, that's quite easy. But going to London, learning English, going to Canada, being in a bunch of shows, coming out to America and, and trying to make it big, that's, that's quite difficult. That, I applaud you for that. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. I'm still, you know, uh, fighting for that because, as you know, I moved to the States two years ago, and uh, it's Los Angeles is kind of like tough town to crack, and it's probably, I would say, uh, toughest one 
from all yeah. over the cities I lived in, in all over the countries. But uh, you know, it's. I tell you what, you when you when you walk down the street, you're unmistakable. <laughs> it's impossible not to see you. <laughs> Walking down the street, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, this is the first time I had a guest on where we didn't talk about their resume at all, which is hilarious to me. But let's let's get to your acting credits now, because uh, what I see right now is that your your first commission job was scratched out in 2009, where you played a bodyguard, and then you yeah. went to Who Is Clark Rockefeller, and then and Scare Tactics, which is 2009 2010. Then you got you got served, and then we go into the Way of the West. So tell me a little bit about the way, the Way of the West, where you played Pacek. Yeah, um, it actually was my kind of like break, big break, because all all these movies I did before it was like very little parts, and then I got uh, I got cast for this feature film, uh, and casting director liked me so much she really literally fought for me wow. to get that part. So. Um, when they called me and said, okay, you've got the part and, you know, you're flying to Yukon, uh, going to shoot there for three weeks, I was like on seven heaven. I'm like, oh, really? And uh, mm-hmm. went there, uh, met actually a lot of uh, good Canadian actors, established mm-hmm. ones. And uh, we had a time, we had a blast for three weeks there, despite of the weather, because we should, we should in August, but we should like different time of the day and the nights in deep forest in Yukon, you know, which is, you know, close to Alaska. Uh, right. Nights there, the first week we shoot like all nights and it was like freezing. We were sitting in August at night in, in Canada goose jacket. North Pole wow. jackets, because it was that cold. So, you know, but despite all of these, it was unforgettable time, unbelievable time. Nice. A uh, movie, movie could be a little bit better, but of course, you know, director, well, director, di- director had their own vision. <laughs> That's usually what happens. You know, boys and girls out there, you're going to see a couple of titles out there. The original tout- title is The Mountie, and then it went to The Way of the West. Uh, so that, that's yeah, really- well, uh, the, the Mountie, the Mountie is Canadian title, right? And right. and then and then Lion uh, Lionsgate bought the movie and they put another name, The Way oh, of man. the West. Yeah. That's how, yeah. Yeah. So you, so you went from the Way of the West, which, which you know I saw the trailer, I really enjoyed it, and you went from Way of the West to Falling Skies in 2011. So I really, I really like that show, Falling Skies. So tell me about Falling Skies. Falling Skies was amazing, man. Um, they they shoot first season in in Toronto for a little bit over four months. Was great. Uh, met amazing people. Big names in the industry. Uh, we become friends with uh, producer Greg Beeman. He's he's not longer producer on Foreign Skies, um, but he he was he did for uh, four seasons. Uh, the, all the cast on Foreign Skies are my friends: uh, Will Patton, Noah Wiley, Colin Cunningham, Peter Shinkoran, Paul Like all those guys, they they great, and um, 
They're great doctors. They're great people. Very down to earth, and you know, it's they they have a heart. They lots of lots of them uh, also had a you know hard time getting out there, but they work hard, and you know they achieve what they wanted. It took them years, but hey, yeah. they are they are stars now. Yes. Uh, Fallen Skies is a very good show. I very much enjoyed it. It's got uh, Maxim Knight, Noah Wiley. It's, uh, Noah Wiley's always been one of our favorites out here in America. He was in a great show at Warwick Kids. Uh, Drew Roy, Will Patton. It was, I, I really, really enjoyed Fallen Skies. Did you uh, Did you enjoy watching the show as much as you were it, being on the show? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, first... For these four uh, seasons that Greg Beeman did was great. And then um, shows started to go a different direction. And because, you know, he left because of that as well. Um, and, I, and I started to like it less and less. Because right. it's, it's, not, it's not where it was at the beginning. It's not the same idea. It's It's... It's, it's it's a slightly cliche now. It's right. Uh, they, 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 we, we really sorry? enjoyed Fallen Skies, and, and after Fallen Skies, you're actually on uh, on Luke Besson's Nikita, the second incarnation, by the way, because the first incarnation was the Australian actress who played Nikita, and now you got Maggie right. Q played Nikita, Maggie Q, and this yeah. is the yeah, this is the this is the Luc Besson version of uh, well, this, this is his creation. How was it like working on Nikita? That that I love that show, by the way. Yeah, yeah, the show is great actually, and uh, you know the the producers are smart as well. Uh, you know, uh, Mickey Q is a great actress and and a great person. Shane West, who's playing Michael, her partner, uh, also also great guy and a great actor. And it was it was fun working on it. Uh, it's it's you know as you know it's action and it's a lot of action thing going on, a lot of shooting, lots of fighting. So always work with clothes, with stunt coordinators, lots of stunts there, fight coordinators, and it, it was it was fun. It was fun actually to work on it. That's awesome. Did you did you get to work with Mackie Q as well, or, or were you more isolated yeah, in another so area? Yeah, of course. Yes, I did. I I work with her and and, and Shane West. We did nice. we did big uh, we did big fight scene in a restaurant where probably seven eight guys were involved, and they they obviously kick our asses there easy. <laughs> but it was uh, yeah. You come from the Ukraine, and then you're you're in this basically French production because because uh, uh, Luc Besson. So you're in this French French production of Nikita that's being basically filmed probably in Canada, right? And uh, yeah. how does it how does it feel being on that set, knowing that all these cultures are coming together to make this one project? It's great, man. It's, you know, I I I really appreciate when when different. Uh, cultures, different people from different countries involved in in the same project, you know, doing the same thing because they have passion for that, because they want to be there, uh, you know, and that's why that's why I'm uh, kind of see the, Hollywood. It's still 
um, cannot accept people because you can see, as you said, and you can you can hear me talking right now, and I have an accent. So I, I believe uh, Hollywood have has to bring more people from different countries because the world become a multi multicultural place right now. There is no such yeah. a thing. It was like it was like mostly like sixties, seventies. Okay, America had mostly Americans. You know, right. France has mostly French, Italy, Britain. You know, now people traveling and living all over the world. Right. There is no. There. Is, I mean, there are still there are borders, but it's it's easy to go yeah. to another country, and live there, and work right. there. You know, and. <clears throat> That that's why I'm thinking. You know, uh, there is no such a thing as an accent right now. So Hollywood has to right. open doors to everybody. But that's that's the beauty of that. You know, when people from different cultures working on the same project and delivering the same great result, that's I, that's I think beautiful. Oh, I I agree. When I watch movies like uh, uh, I don't know, Pan's Labyrinth, I know I know that. The, the the actor is American speaking Spanish. Half the crew is from like Europe. The other half of the crew is from from Mexico. Uh, they're filming with a, basically a Spanish director. It, it's it's so multicultural. It's got so many things going on there, and and the project is fantastic. Yeah. One one of my one of my favorite movies is Empire of the Sun, or, or excuse me, The Last Emperor, and that was directed by Budalici, which was an Italian director, which I think is interesting because sometimes it takes a different nationality. To show the greatness of another nationality, um, because if the Chinese made their own movie, they might not see all the fantastic things that another culture might see in it, because they live with right. it. And uh, that, that's yeah, what, that's they what I like. About it. It. Yes. So I want to talk about an- another show that that I was very interested when it came out because I was a big fan of the book called called The Firm. So when the firm first came out, you were you were you were tackled on to be on that show, and it was with Josh Lucas, who I like very much as an actor. So tell me about that experience. How was the firm? Um, it was it was a small part. It it was a good show actually. It was a good yeah. show with a really great cast. Um, and but for somehow it didn't last long, only two seasons. Um, right. But but it was it was interesting to work on it. I cannot uh, I didn't have much experience on that one because uh, as I right. said it was you know I had a, I had a small part there. But uh, right uh, you know you had two movies that went to series side by side. You had the Firm and then Transporter that both went yeah. from movies to shows. So yeah. you went to the well, Firm. Trans- you didn't have trans- you didn't have them. Transporter was amazing to work on. Mm. Yeah, Transporter was great, man. It's uh, Chris Vance playing Jason Statham character in a TV version, and uh, he's a great guy. He's hardworking, as you know. We were we were talking before about hardworking people. He's one of them. Yes. He's working hard, and I like. I mean it. And and yeah. not not only uh, only doing only acting part, but he also wants to do stunts, you know. Wow. And and yeah, he's he literally wanted to do every stunt 
his character is supposed to perform, but obviously some stunts are so complicated and you you don't want to, the production doesn't want him to be heard because he has continued right. to work. And that's right. that's why, you know, but but he's very he's very uh, insistent. He he wants to do the stunts, and he's like, no, I will do this and I will do that. So it takes some courage and you know stunt coordinators and fight coordinators to talk to him and say, hey, yeah, you know what, this this part of this stunt is too dangerous, but right. you can start that stunt and then we put the stunt uh, double into it. And you will finish that stunt. So we we will, if, if despite the stunt double will be in the middle, we still make you look good, you know. But you won't risk too much. We cannot allow production. Can I allow you to, you know, be yeah, injured? Yeah, there's, there's not there's not going to be a show if you're dead. Exactly. So <laughs> you know, they it was a lot of. Because I know I know fight coordinators on that show, yes. and and it was a lot of talk like this, just right. to just to right. just to talk uh, uh, Chris Vance out of doing some certain very dangerous stunts, <laughs> you know. So that is that is awesome news. I love I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, it's uh, some some people just some actors they just so into the character they they want to do everything yeah. what character does you know right but hey, right. what can I, what can I, do you want to be do you want to be the kind of actor that that wants to be involved in every aspect of filmmaking or do you want to isolate your 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 creative aspect um i don't know how good i will be in uh, editing the movie or writing the music for the movie, if that's what you mean. <laughs> or, <laughs> but, or directing uh, or... I, I would like, actually, I would I, I have some some vision about directing. I would like to... I haven't directed anything yet, but I would like to have that experience, you know, and, and, and try. But um, so far I'm doing acting and I'm doing my own stunts all the time. So right. that's right. for me right now. That's kind of things I want to do, and whatever happens right. what, on the way, yeah. Whatever, whatever happens on the way. Whatever, whatever happens, whatever happens on the way is you know, I I obviously would like to try because new experience it's priceless. Oh, I agree. I agree. Now we went from the transporter and we go to go to the movie Freezer with, with uh, Dylan McDermott, who I, who I love, by the way. How did you like doing this film? It was it was hard oh. for me to to uh, pronounce your name Carrillo. Was it Carrillo? Carrillo, yeah. Yes, Carrillo. So tell me about this part. I I, I love him. God, uh, I got cast. I for some reason I was waiting for the movie. Uh, for so long, and I wanted to like too bad, really, really bad to be cast for that, uh, uh, yeah. to to play that character. But the production, there was a move, uh, money issues, and production mm. got canceled twice before they found the money. So I was like, I always like you know, kind of like talking to my agent, and I'm like, can you uh, call casting? Can you ask her? 
who got the part, what's going on with the movie. So he, she also always like follow up, and she always, you know, kept me posted, and I was really happy. Um, I was in Vancouver at the time before I came to the United States, and I was really happy uh, when she called me back and she's like, "You got it." So uh, I moved to the states, and they started to shoot on uh, January third. So I'm basically I was the first who arrived there, and Dylan arrived next day. Uh, so we like it was me and him. We become friends. He's a great guy down to earth. We still keep in touch. He's he's you know he he's not uh, right. one of those Hollywood stars. He's just mm. normal regular guy, you know. And um, obviously Michael Solomon was directing the movie, which is you know <clears throat> he's he's a name in the industry and he know how to handle all of this. Uh, yeah. We shoot in Edmonton, and um, they build uh, that freezer in the studio, and they put like a pipe through the roof, and the pipe was pumping cold air inside the container. Oh. So, and, and it, because it was a January in Edmonton, it's pretty cold outside. You know, it's freezing actually. Yeah. Lots of snow, right. but it was almost the same temperature inside the freezer. Because they wow. they didn't want to CGI the steam coming out of the mouth. They want a real steam. So that's right. why they created that atmosphere of real freezer inside. And we work <laughs> like this for three and a half weeks. 12, 13 hours on set. But it was despite all of this, everybody was happy and it was it was fun. Right. Work, working working with Dylan is always fun. You know, he's always joking on set, and he's he's making up own lines. You know, like like the the when he's talking to us at the very beginning, and he's like, "Oh, easy, Connor." He he made it up <laughs> on set. It's not even in the script. He just made it. Yeah. He made it up. You know, so right. it's fun. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. It, it does it, obviously. I, you're answering the question as I'm asking it, but is his positive attitude? Is his um, happiness? Is it contagious? And does that does that help out filmmaking? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, man. It's, it it keeps he keeps even like you know, in the middle of the day, you're tired and and you, uh, it, it's it's kind of hard you know, to work, right. and we're mostly on set. It's kind of hard to work in the cold, in the, you know, permanent cold all the time. And and you're obviously tired, and your body is tired, and you're like, okay, we have to get through this. And you, your mood's slightly going down, because we, you know, we're all human beings. <clears throat> and then Dylan says something, you know, he's like, joke around and you can see he's tired as well but he right. just like throw the joke and you're like okay so let's go let's do another six seven hours right. in the freezer yeah awesome. he's, uh, he's, he's kind of like a, um, keep everybody's mood up you know trying to support everybody and uh, you know suggest uh, give some advices. Just you know, keep keep the work and keep the team together. Right, right. 
Is that something that you look forward to yourself as an actor, is getting to that state where you can pretty much uh, change the energy of a room by just being in it? Yeah, I would like to be. I would like to be in that position, definitely. Mm. Well, I I will be when that time comes. Yes. There you go. <laughs> you know, you when I first saw you, you have to think positive. You know, nobody else is going to think positive for you. But the one thing I liked when I first met you was that you were a very happy person. You're very affable. You had a smile on your face. I didn't know you, uh, but we got to know each other pretty fast. And that's what I very, very much enjoyed about uh, meeting you. And then I wanted you on the show ever since then. Now, we talked about Freezer and, and such a great story there. And then you have a couple a couple productions that are in production now, including Six Feet Down Under, which is Diamond, Scramble, and Active Shooter. But the show, the thing I do want to talk to you about is Diamond. Tell me about that project. Um, it's upcoming project. Ty Granderson Jones, who's been in uh, um, uh, Corner with Nicolas Cage. Uh, he's he's been in General Hospital and blah blah blah. Lots of movies uh, in Hollywood. He's got a name, and uh, he come up with this story. Uh, wrote the script and um, now he wants to shoot a short version of it and with um, possibility in maybe one or two years to make big feature film. Mm. So he uh, created, he call up for the favors he made that solid team around him uh wardrobe and makeup and dop director and uh stunt coordinators so um it looks like project's gonna be really cool and plus he's my friend so i i know him and i know he's uh, whatever he, he he does he does properly he it's it's a quality product so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I have a, I have a uh, small part there. It was just favor to him because he asked, and I'm like, yeah, no problem, we'll do it. Right. But um, uh, it's gonna be fun to work on it. It's it's still they they just finishing the other campaign. They were collecting the money, and uh, uh, even if the other campaign is finished, you can you can still go online and. Donate five, ten, twenty bucks. You know, any any donation helps. As as you as you know, as a producer, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Still, nice. uh, we'll, still kind of like in process. We'll, we'll put everything online and make sure everybody goes to the, the Diamond pre-production page and, and can contribute anything they can. Uh, we're, we went through your, a lot of, of your resume. It's very impressive with a short short period of time. What do you what do you see yourself in around ten years from now? Is there a focus that you have right now that that you that you want to achieve by a certain time? Yes, um, I I want to be a constantly working actor. I want to get out there, do acting, do stunts. Uh, and 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 be working all the time. That's that's my goal. I obviously <clears throat> have a bigger dream to 
made name for myself, like a big name in Hollywood. Right. But, you know, I never, I never look too far. I'm trying to make shorter goals to achieve bigger ones. Right. So uh, my my goal right now to become a consistently working actor, going from mm. one production to another, and then obviously long term goal is to make big name for myself and become well known actor in in Hollywood and hopefully around the world. Yeah, I don't think that'll be a problem for you. <laughs> I, I really don't. <laughs> so, so well, before we go off. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your experience on Six Feet Down Under. So you 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 filmed on there with with Sean Paul Pacino directing that that episode there. Yeah. Uh, you it, was, it was a, it was a good, it was a it was a great experience. I, I like I love literally like every guy who was involved in uh, in 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 this production because it was like really solid team. You know, it was it, it basically wasn't work. It was fun. From the from the day one when we started to shoot, I I did a few days on uh, doing stunts there, but it, it was it was amazing. Sean is great, like he's got a vision. That's what I like about certain directors. He he doesn't have that hesitation, you know, moment of thinking. Oh well, what should I do next? This or that? He right. he's got schedule in his head. He has certain image what he's going to do next and and it's it's amazing like he's moving fast and he's shooting what he already pictured in his, in his head that's that's i call professionalism um uh tony and guy uh amazing guys Great guys. Guy Grundy. Like, yeah, those are great guys. Yeah, Guy Grundy and, and Tony. Uh, so we just click right away. Uh, fun, fun, you know, working fun and, and just talking, making jokes. And as I said, it's it's this, yeah, you you know how guys, this guy yeah. is joking all the time. So it, it's it's fun. It's fun. Uh, stunt coordinator Lee McDermott is amazing guy doing like he's doing stunts on like big productions Pirates of Caribbean Vikings you know a guy know what to do and he should he should actually fight coordinate on a higher level you know not just do stunts but fight coordinate because he's he's really good at that right a team so I'm I'm really glad really glad Team is great, I'm and, uh, and it I'm was fun, you, fun to watch. You, you look fantastic in it, and, and when people see the trailer for Six Feet Down Under, which is on YouTube, it's on, uh, it, it's on Twitter, it's on on Facebook. Uh, when you see Andre come out, I mean, he's quite an imposing person. When he walks normally, it looks like Sean is literally ducking. Wait, I think he is ducking, <laughs> but it looks like he's ducking when you're standing next to him. Andre, let me ask you a question. Let, let's just say. I'm a young kid right now in the Ukraine, and I'm listening to this conversation. And I'm listening to you, all your experiences from moving to Ukraine, from being in the army, from going to London, from going to Canada, from coming to America. How could I? How could I be that person? What What could I do to be as positive as you, to be as nice as you, to have the accomplishments you had in your life, 
to learn. What could I do? You know, my uh, Steve, my advice will be very simple, uh, probably, but that's only you can do. You have to set up big goals for yourself, and uh, you know, sit and think about what you want to achieve in this life, who you want to be, and where you want to be, and and then just make it happen. Do whatever it takes to achieve those goals. Every every case will be very individual. Every person will go own way, but if you set up the goals and if you do your things and if you choose the way you should and you want to go to achieve that goal, that probably will be right for you. Is is does happiness play a part in this at all? Because some people, you know, sometimes sometimes people have goals and they're kind of angry about it or competitive about it, and some people have goals and they're happy about it and they enjoy the process. Which one would you recommend? Uh, I obviously I I certainly would recommend the second one. You have to be happy and you have to you know uh, enjoy and have passion to the uh, to something you want to achieve uh, otherwise it's it's not going to work right. you you cannot be angry about your dreams you cannot be angry about your uh goals you you have to be very passionate and you have to be very happy that you are on the way to achieving them and you have to be happy about knowing that you know one day you will be where you you think you should be Andre, thank you so much for being on the show today. You were quite an inspiration. From the first time I met you to right now, I wanted you on this show. And I, I, I know the audience right now, are, are, I can see who's on now. And people are, are going crazy. They're just loving, the, loving you and loving everything you're saying. Please tell the audience, how, how can we get in t- contact with you? If we want to get to you through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, how can we get in contact with you? Yeah, um, um, Facebook, uh, Andrei Ivchenko, you can find me there, uh, my personal page, my fan page there. Uh, um, on Instagram, uh, fat underscore Paul, that's my name on Instagram, follow me there. Twitter also, if you go at Andrei Ivchenko, I'm on Twitter. So I'm not, I'm not hiding anywhere, I'm just out there, so guys. <laughs> Join me, follow me. Uh, uh, you know, we, we're gonna kick some asses and uh, get where we should be and achieve our goals, right? Absolutely, Andre. We're gonna follow your career for the for, till the day we die. Uh, we very much enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much, Andre. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for giving me opportunity to talk to you. And uh, you know, you. Uh, I always like since since we met I, I I like to talk to you. You're a great guy and you you're a great producer and uh you know I hope to work with you uh soon on some other projects. Definitely. Thank, Thank you for Thank you, letting me have a conversation on your radio. Uh, you're you're a great man. You've inspired everybody here. We loved hearing your story. God bless you. We can't wait to see your career just explode. Have yourself a great weekend, Andre. That's Andre Evchenko. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Steve. Bye. 
All right, boys and girls, that was fantastic. You know, I love having people on the show who are inspirational, who are who know how to talk. I mean, listen, <laughs> you're talking about somebody who came from a different country, went to London, then went from London and went to Canada, and from Canada came to America. Those are not American countries, by the way. Those are foreign countries. And you listen to the accent, and you listen to the phonetics of the words, and, you, and it's really good. I mean, it's better English than most young, young adults in America who were born here. Now, maybe I mention it because my mother knows four languages, and people still make fun of her accent. I'm like, she, she doesn't know four languages, including the one she's speaking right now. It makes five. <laughs> it was great having Andre on. When I first met him at the Lackey, Lackey movie at the Quentin Tarantino Theater in in Hollywood, it was a great pleasure to meet him. I love the show Fallen Skies. I recognized him immediately. Uh, I just didn't know where to place him. It's kind of hard not to be able to place a man who's like seven feet tall and, and quite handsome, by the way. <laughs> Andrei Evchenko. Scratched Out. Who is Clark Rockefeller? Scare Tactics. You got served to beat the world, the way of the West, falling skies, Nikita, the firm, transport of the series, freezer, active shooter, scramble, and diamond. Go look at his IMDb. You're gonna you're gonna be very happy to see all the great successes he's had in the past and in the future. We're very proud of him. I'm looking forward to working on another project with him in the future. I'm your host, Steve Pisa on Central Files Radio. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you're having a fantastic weekend. Remember what I said last weekend? Love the bunny. Love the bunny. The one thing I love about out here is the fact that I consider Colorado opposed to L.A., which both are my homes. L.A. is more like a father, and Colorado is more like a mother. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. The father's a little tougher on you. It shows you how things need to go and, and where things want to go and how things should be, and it kind of points you in that direction. And if you can't really keep it up, it's going to kick you kind of hard to make sure you can. Now, that's L.A. Colorado is a little bit more like a mother, where it puts you into its bosom and, and makes you feel comfortable about your life and your existence and allows you to reset yourself, which is a fantastic thing. It's very rare in this industry. I was able to get more writing and more film production done while I was in Colorado than I was in L.A., which is strange. And I attribute that really to looking out the windows and seeing bunnies (laughs) dance by the front of my my business every single day. Because in L.A., when you look outside, you see cars, you see planes, you hear noise, you see kids fighting, you see all kinds of weird stuff. Who knows what you see? (laughs) It's L.A. In Colorado, you see a bunny go by. And then you see a coyote and the two shall never meet. (laughs) It's very, very interesting. So, my attitude is is love the bunny. Thank you, everybody, for listening in for another episode of Cinema Files Radio. I am your host, Steve Pisa. We had a great, great guest on today, Andrei Avchenko, telling us from his life back from the Ukraine to America. 
It's a fascinating story. His, his new uh, episode's coming out, his new show coming out, uh, Six Feet Down Under, directed by uh, Sean Papagino and uh, starring uh, Guy Grundy. And it's got uh, Vernon, Vernon Wells in it, and Aaron Schnocky, and it's got a lot of people in it. Iceland's Registry has helped produce it, as well as uh, uh, Truly Indie Studios. Bad in the Sun. It's been a nice process. Listen, everybody, have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy your family. Enjoy yourself. Be loved and loved. Be a good person. Life is incredibly short. Now, if you tell me, Steve... I'm going to live to be 115. That's still short to me. <laughs> a short time. Especially if you choose to uh, live it wrong. So listen to Andre and be happy. Have a great weekend. Go watch a movie. Go watch Inherent Vice. It's fantastic. I'm your host, Steve Peace on Central Files Radio. God bless. Have yourself a great weekend. I'll see you next week.